Good morning, church. It's so good to be with you. And if you're a first-time guest, I just want to say thanks so much for joining us for church this morning. I'd love to invite you to check out our church website, salemheightschurch.org, to learn more about who we are and what we have going on at the church in this season. We'd also love to pray for you. And so if you have any prayer requests, please email us at prayer at salemheightschurch.org, and we'd be happy to pray for you. Well, now we're going to turn our attention to worship, and we invite you now to join us.
Take 
God, we know that you hear us and we know that you're watching us and that you see us and we're so thankful for that. We're so thankful that we have the promise of your son to look forward to one day and we want our lives to um, represent more than just ourselves here. God, we want our lives to represent um, your kingdom. So I pray that you would help us as we're in this series. Uh, where did you go? I, got, I would pray that you'd help us um, to follow you and know that no matter the cir circumstances around us, that the world needs those that will be shining a light for your glory. So we would pray that you would help us in these days to be those that are out there doing your will, walking into the works that you have for us, because we know that your word says you have works that you want us to walk into. So God, help us to do that. Help us to abide in you. Um, in these days. We're so thankful for your word and want to hear from you now. We pray that you would do that in us. In Christ's name, amen. Well, good morning, church. So good to be with you. And if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to grab them now and open them to the book of Psalms and find Psalm 77. And that's where we're going to be today as we are in week three of our series, Where'd You Go? And I'm here with Pastor Justin again. And yeah. uh, we have been looking at this short little series to kind of wrap up a season that we've been going through since the beginning of COVID um, as we get ready to head back into the book of Acts. But this, this morning we're going to be looking at uh, the third installment of this series and maybe kind of just reset where we've been the last two weeks and where we're heading today. Yeah, so the overarching theme of where did you go starts with where did you go to church and it's the, the high value that scripture puts on spending time together. Right. Uh, we need each other. Yeah. Uh, there is something that God does in the heart of an individual when they're alone. But when we see each other, we bring out a flavor to faith that just gets enhanced even more. Right. So we need those interactions, whether it's just with a few people. Scripture uh, highlights uh, a home church there as the one that is receiving that. So whether it's with a few people or a large group, that fellowship is important. So where did you go to church? Then the second week was... Uh, where did you go as a witness? Yeah. And we just take a look at that picture in Scripture and the varied ways that Scripture highlights us going out. It's not just door-to-door, -door, but it's the way in which we live our life in an all-encompassing view of if I'm outside of the four walls of the church, I'm, I'm actually a witness. I'm making a declaration with my life and statements. Right, so, right. Where did you go to church? Where did you go as a witness? And this week, where did you go? So... The going got tough, and I got overwhelmed and disappeared. Yeah. So that's the question of uh, the, the kind of uh, double statement that's here. Where did you go implies, hey, where did you go? And I'm looking for some activity that's positive. And this one we're saying all of a sudden the positive energy ended, and we're, we're praying that this will be a, a medical kit today. How can yeah. we help revive a heart that's wounded? And I think we talked about how some of the people who might benefit the most from today's message might not see it. And so we yeah. want to encourage everyone who's watching this morning to um, be sure to share it with someone. And we'll talk more about that later. But Yeah, and I think that's a critical key to even some of the, the time that we spend in the Word. Yeah. Is it's Sometimes the Word is actually targeting your heart or my heart, or we need to preach in such a way that those that are listening are hearing. Right. But sometimes we're helping people say, Here's the things that Scripture says that are really rewarding. Now go find somebody who was too overwhelmed to be able to get inside the doors and, and were sent out as emissaries. Yeah. And so this is fulfilling those first two weeks 
by going and ministering to those who are brokenhearted. Yeah, and throughout the Word of God, we actually see people in all these different stages and phases of life. Yeah. And so today, we're going to be in Psalm 77, and we're going to read the entire thing here, but we see a, the psalmist is kind of describing a, a person who maybe had lost their way, maybe began to feel disconnected from God. And so uh, let's look at this passage. Yeah. Follow along as I read it aloud, starting in verse 1. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and He will hear me. I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. My hands were continually lifted up all night long. I refused to be comforted. I think of God. I groan. I meditate. My spirit becomes weak. Selah. You have kept me from closing my eyes. I am troubled and cannot speak. I consider days of old, years long past. At night I remember my music. I meditate in my heart and my spirit ponders. Will the Lord reject forever and never again show favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Selah. So I say, I am grieved that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. God, your way is holy. What God is great like God? You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among the peoples. With power you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. The water saw you, God. The water saw you. It trembled. Even the depths shook. The clouds poured down water, the storm clouds thundered, and your arrows flashed back and forth. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind, lighting up, lightning lit up the world. The earth shook and quaked. Your way went through the sea and your path through the vast water, but your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. As we look at this uh, psalm, we see uh, a couple of things highlighted in the first six or seven verses that really kind of highlight where this psalmist starts off. Uh, the first thing that we see here is that uh, the quiet time was no longer a comfort. Yeah. Um, as you think about that, what, what, is that, what is he trying to communicate? Well, in those first three verses, he, he's actually like shouting out, I cry aloud, I cry aloud. Um, when uh, when it says, I will keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee in Isaiah, yeah. that perfect peace is shalom, shalom. So when he repeats it, it gets, it gets more significant. That's how the Hebrew phraseology, how they would underline something and tell you it's really of value. Right. So when he says, I cried aloud to God, aloud to God, he's saying, I'm really loud. I'm mm -hmm. wailing. And this is my time where I'm trying to tell God this is important. So yeah. He's meditating. In verse 3, it says, I think of God, I groan, I meditate, my spirit becomes weak. Instead of encouraged, I'm meditating, I'm shouting, I'm praying. And he actually says, Selah. He's like, have you ever been here? Mm. Have you ever been in a place where you're trying your hardest to do Christian things? And I'm even doubling down. I'm like doing more. I'm reading more than I have before. I'm reading other books. I'm doing whatever I can. I'm getting really noisy about my faith. And it's just not getting into the soul. So... His quiet time is no longer a comfort. Yeah, and so this is not a new problem. This no. is not a problem that only we are experiencing. This is yeah. a problem that is common to mankind. The second thing we see here is that his memories caused him to become melancholy. Yeah, in verse 6 it says, And at night I remembered my music. So here's Asaph. Uh, it's really incredible. Actually, the beginning of the psalm starts with, For the choir director, according to Jeduthun, of Asaph. So yeah. he gives you this heading, the superscription is actually part of scripture. If you go back and find all these other passages where Jaduthan, uh, the tune is brought up, the first time the tune comes up, it's a guy who's lost all of his money and a bunch of guys are beating him, hmm. right? That's a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next time that we find Jaduthan, it's a guy whose entire nation is in an uproar and his life just feels like it's a horrible mess. Now it's time for Jaduthan and he's emotionally a wreck. So it's now gone internal. So if you read Jaduthan, this is a country western song, right? So as soon as the <laughs> tune starts, uh, you're starting to feel like, oh, I know where this is headed. Right. 
I was telling you if if you heard like the Darth Vader theme, and then all of a sudden somebody walks in the room, you just know it's you know that's the joke. Who right. is the person that's going to walk in <laughs> when you hear that theme? Yeah. Well, this song starts to play, and they automatically know this is going to be a downer. Yeah. What does he say? I remember my music. I meditate, and my heart and my spirit ponders. He's actually saying there used to be days where I sang. There used to be days where I enjoyed being around people. There used to be days where it was all up, where I really loved it. And my spirit pondering, he's saying, I don't feel it anymore. Mm. It's well, no longer there. I mean, if we just take these first two points, you and I have heard this is a yeah. common struggle that even people right now who say, man, I, I feel like I've worked through a hard season. I'm starting to thrive. But I can relate to this, that my quiet time wasn't, I wasn't being energized by that. Yeah. And as I started to think all the things I feel I've lost and that have been taken away from me, yeah. I start to get a little down. The third thing that we see here at the opening part of this psalm is that he begins to question everything he holds dear. Yeah, he goes through six questions. He says, I meditate in my heart, my spirit ponders, and here's his pondering. Verse 7, will the Lord reject forever? He says... I've lost my intimacy with God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Will he never again show favor? That's what he's saying. Has uh, th this favor just stopped? He says, I've lost my way back. Right. There used to be favor that would pull me forward. He's just let go of that. Has his faithful love ceased forever? Now in scripture, faithful love, it's actually that, that has said of, of God. Right. There's literally a statement about who he is in that kind of love. It's the way God approaches those people who are saved by him. He says, is his faithful love cease forever? I, I feel like I've lost my salvation. Mm. Is his promise at an end for all generations? So his promises, this, these are the things that he has said are always true. The psalmist is saying, I, I've lost my grip on truth. Um, has he forgotten to be gracious? Has God forgotten how grace works? He says, I feel like I've lost my sense of forgiveness. Wow. And finally, has his anger, uh, or has he in anger withheld his compassion? He's lost his belief that this will ever end. So I've got all these things going on, and it's never going to stop. He forgot how compassion works. You come to me and take care of my burden. I don't feel like it's ever going to happen. Yeah. And I think the thing that is really painful in this series of questions is I believe the psalmist right here is actually a good theologian. Mm -hmm. So he's actually saying, what do you do when God stops being God? Mm. Exodus, um, remember, uh, in Exodus 34, Moses is in a, a turbulent time. Uh, the people aren't acting the way they're supposed to. He's come down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments of God. They know now what the God of the universe wants them to do. And what are they doing? They're worshiping a golden calf. Yeah. He gets overwhelmed. He smashes those. He goes back up on the mountain. God tells him, this is how you need to deal with these people. This is how you need to move forward. This is what I actually am desiring of you in a relationship. And it's still hard. So Moses says, God, if, you're, if we're just met for the desert, if we're just going to be drifting around here and we're not going to see you, I don't want to go forward. Mm. Will you show me your glory? Will you give me a glimpse of something so profound it will fuel me? While I'm yeah. out here. Right, right. And he says, you can't see my face. You can't see my total glory. It'll kill you. But I'll put you in the cleft of a rock. I'll pass by and my glory will be evident to you. And so this is what happens. God puts him in the cleft of a rock and he comes down in a cloud and he stood with him there and proclaimed his name. The Yahweh, the Lord, passed in front of him and proclaimed. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. This is the statement about God's glory that precedes Moses being able to see him. It's the statement of all these things. Well, that's what he's questioning six times over is everything that it means to be God and have his glory in my life, I don't feel any of it. Mm. Every aspect of who God says, this is when I show up, who I am, he says, I feel like I'm missing it. Yeah. And so this is God in Exodus yeah. saying, this is who I am. Don't forget. Yep. And so what we wanted to kind of do uh, is we want to look at this from the standpoint of, okay, so 
what happens when you lose your sense that, that God is God? Yeah. And, and like most psalms that have this kind of refrain of maybe uh, crying out to God or feeling distant from God or questioning God, how long yeah. are you going to leave me in my current situation? We see in this psalm as well a transition, a, yeah. pivotal, a pivotal change in the direction and in the tone. I think that's critical, but I, I want to ask you one thing really quickly yeah. before we get there. Yeah. Does this even seem relevant? Can you feel it today? People around us saying, I just want to go back to the way things were. I remember when we used to sing. Uh, I feel like I've lost my way. I think one of the things at the beginning that you and I have been talking about was yeah. at the beginning we heard people grumbling. Then we heard people beginning to come up with like, you know, for those that were really getting vocal, I'm irritated, this is the answer, this is what we need to do, I'm sure. really bothered. Sure. But you know when, when despondency has actually taken root when, is when the noise stops. And you can just see it written on the face or in the countenance or in a disposition. I just don't believe anything good's going to happen today. Yeah. We're starting to see some of that in people. Yeah. And I think that is where this psalmist is at. Right. He's like, I was stirring up everything I could. I was screwing up the courage to worship. But, I mean, we're, we're seeing that more and more in our interaction. And I think that's what called us to do this message. But I feel like that is really current. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't think it's just folks who maybe weren't totally sold out to their faith. Yeah. I think it can be, there's been a lot of folks who maybe at first thought, we'll just ride it out. Yeah. And we'll wait for church to come back as normal. Yeah. And then when it didn't, it start, started to get angry and maybe trying to be vocal and fight for that to come back. And then as it still hasn't come back. And, and uh, there are churches doing yeah. church differently than us, but we talk to the pastors. Everyone is struggling, whether they're in, meeting in person or meeting in homes. It's true. Every church is feeling this discouragement and this wane. And I think this is absolutely applicable because I don't think God wants to just, he hasn't forgotten about us and he's not gonna just leave us in that. And like we've said, and we continue to maybe beat that drum is yeah. this is not uh, for our harm. I, we actually believe God has something in this season yeah. for us. And I think it's critical, you and I were talking about how important just being able to come back and say, I'm going to confess. Yeah. How important confession is in the life of a believer. There's no major confession passage no. here. He's transitioning from despondency into a new walk again, but this guy Asaph is actually a solid believer who just got hit hard with life, and it took the wind out of his sails. Yeah. So he's saying, how did I get that back? I haven't gone out and sinned. He didn't go out and, and ruin his relationship with his spouse. He didn't wreck his business. He didn't attack Israel. He didn't become an enemy. Yeah. He just got it. Uh, he just got overwhelmed. Right. He just got hammered. So and what, I would yeah. say, what I would say right now is we kind of answer the question, what do you do when you, your sense of God has yeah. diminished? Um, we were talking about how this is not going to be revolutionary. Maybe yeah. like it's not going to be like, oh, I've never yeah. heard that before. Yeah. Oh, that's the missing ingredient. But our hope is that it's actually going to sound familiar to what we've been saying over the yeah. last, you know, seven, eight months. Completely. Our hope is that today, maybe someone who hasn't been watching or someone who maybe has heard but hasn't listened, maybe today the Lord will use this passage to encourage them. That's the that. goal. So yeah. what, what do we need to do when we've lost our sense that God is God? Yeah, and I think the critical piece here is, happens at verse 12. Mm -hmm. There's a, a change in the tone. Yeah. Uh, and he says, I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. So before it says, I was meditating, but what was I meditating on? I'm just meditating on me. Mm -hmm. I'm meditating what has gone wrong. I'm yeah. meditating. I'm thinking over and over again about what I've lost and my experience. And he says my heart became weak. But here, I meditate. He finishes the sentence on your actions. Right. The first thing that he has to do is change from I to you. Yeah. So instead of focusing on me, I'm focusing on the Lord. Yeah, that's what jumped out to me as I was studying this passage is in those first, you know, seven, eight verses, it's I, I, I. Go yeah. you look in your Bible and just cir circle how many times 
he is focused on himself. Yes. And then after verse 12, everything switches to you, you, you. There's an yep. obvious change in how, what he's looking at himself yeah. now looking at God. Super important. Um, Shanti Feldon does a lot of relationship studies and uh, does some just brilliant stuff. I've quoted her before and she was talking about uh, husband-wife relationships and she actually issued a challenge uh, based on uh, studies and the work that she was doing. Um, I've got it right here buried. <laughs> but she issued a challenge to um, husbands and wives. It's a 30-day kindness challenge. And it's based on this premise. Whatever you give vent to becomes cemented in your life. So if you're venting irritation, if you're venting that you're bothered, you will see them and that last thought is going to become the reality. Right. I'm just constantly triggered. Uh, it's true in every area, not just your relationship here, but you know, life around us. Yeah. We are giving vent. So she says for 30 days, try this. Women, don't say anything negative about your husband or significant other to him or to someone else about him. Uh, each day, find at least one thing you appreciate or enjoy about your husband and tell him and at least one other person. Each day, do one little act of kindness for him. Uh, men, do not be distracted. Don't withdraw. Give your wife your full attention in conversation at least 15 minutes a day. And when you're upset with each other, stay in the game five minutes past when you want to escape. <laughs> All right? Secondly, each day find one thing that you enjoy or appreciate about her and tell her. Each day do one little act of kindness for her. She goes on to, to quantify that, but what ends up happening? At the very beginning, people actually begin to say, I, I don't think I have kind words, or I don't think I can do that. Uh, shouldn't the other person have to do more? Right, right. And this is something you can do even if the other person doesn't do it. She actually says, as they began to do that research, and it was following up on research that was done by major institutions, there was such a change in the way that they perceived the world. And this is a biblical principle that is being studied by the world and being seen to be true. By focusing on those things that are right, that are true, that are good, or just focusing on those things that edify, it actually changes my experience. Yeah. Not, it doesn't change reality, it changes my experience of the same exact situation. Hmm. Uh, it's a dramatic thing. So I need to change my focus from I to you, why? Because God, I'm not seeing you at work. Right. Because I'm only focused on whether or not I'm happy. So when I keep giving vent to my irritation, I literally don't see what God is doing, and I don't think he's doing anything. So I begin instead to focus on those things that God is doing, that he has done, and it changes my experience. All right. I, I love yeah. that quote. What I'm venting, I'm cementing. Yeah. And so in this season... Tell your teenage kids that. Right. Okay. <laughs> Not years in particular, but right. yeah. No, they could probably benefit yeah. from that. But I would say that we are looking at this passage and seeing that it's super important for us to kind of resist and push back to the tendency yeah. for us to focus on loss, what's been taken away, what has changed, what we lose control of. And the psalmist is saying, no, I need to switch from myself to what God has done. And in doing that, yeah. I begin to regain the sense of who God is, and there's a there's obviously a benefit that to my life in that. There is, yeah. What we focus on um, can lead to our disillusion. Yeah. So we, we got the first thing we self. need to do is switch our focus from from I to you. What's the yeah. second thing? Second thing is from perception to patterns. Hmm. Um, there's a, a process that he goes through here where he says, I'm looking around and I can't see how this is going to work out. Or I'm looking around and I can't remember when th this has turned out good. Right. And he's trying to perceive what's going on, but it's so muddy and the, the storm is so significant. He's not seeing any way out of it. But instead, he needs to focus on the great patterns of Scripture. Um, there is something that causes our hearts to swell when we remember stories and how they have turned out good. And we were talking about World War II yeah. when we were preparing for this. There seems to be just a, a ton of these stories coming oh, out. Right. Every major, uh, in fact, in the middle of this coronavirus season, they're putting out stuff by 
you know, Tom Hanks is putting out a World War II movie, and uh, Netflix is wanting to put out a, a new a World War II cartoon. Yeah. And they've got these other things where they're trying to cause us to remember when it got really hard, these are great stories of people who survived right. that hardship. There's something about those stories that really grab us. The problem with meditating on stories that aren't in Scripture is when we tell the story of World War II, we tell the story as if, well, if God had done something a little better, um, we wouldn't have had the bad. Sure. But it's our indomitable spirit, right? It's our strength that got us through. And we tell it as if those people had the character in their own. But in Scripture, we actually see the reality. God flips the script. It's actually us that got the problem going. Yeah. We're the ones that create the mess. Yeah. And it's God's spirit working through us that actually leads to really profound solutions. Yeah. Those people um, win the day. And you would notice some connections well, with stories going yeah. through here where he's actually picking at phrases we should know. So throughout the whole psalm, uh, we see him identify in verse 15, uh, Jacob and Joseph. Yeah. Uh, we see here later on, he talks about leading the people like a flock by the hand of Aaron and Moses in verse 20. Um, but throughout this, if you think of those stories, this, think of Jacob. He actually uses a statement earlier on in verse 2 where he says, I refuse to be comforted. That is what Jacob said when he thought Joseph was lost. Um, yeah. When the brothers had said that he had been killed, but they had actually sold him into slavery. So you have this man who's, who's distraught because he lost his son. Yeah. Then you have Joseph, the son now who's been sold into slavery. And he God keeps using him and he's, he kind of gets... Uh, put in positions and then he gets taken out of those positions and he finds himself in a really hard thing but yet he comes to the end and, and there's this uh, God uses Joseph to help be the, the key of preserving the Israelite people yeah. um, through a great famine and you know he identifies that what you intended for evil God used for good and then you have the story of Moses and Aaron being the ones who God uses to lead the people through the Red Sea in all of these situations those people found themselves with no other options. Yeah. They had they had exhausted all the other options, tried to figure out things on their own, and it wasn't until they got to the point of, all right, God, you're my only option, that God said, okay, yeah. now we can do something with that. And I think that's what he's highlighting here is that instead of focusing on all the things that we need to do, remember God's pattern. Yeah. When we get to the point of complete reliance on him is, is usually when he tends to start moving. Yeah, it's not just how. Yeah. He saved them, but when? Yes. That that thing is really critical. When we look in the, the, taking the children of Israel, they get set free from Egypt. Man, how exciting that is. 400 years of slavery. Right. And we have all of their gold you know, in our ears and, and in our pockets. Yeah. And we're the ones that are fed and our firstborn are all alive. We've just routed the Egyptians without lifting a finger and they run out. And then for 11 days, they're going, well, is this the way out? No, no, I don't think that's it. How about over here? Nope. And the next thing you know, they're between the ocean and the Egyptians and rocks. There is no way out. Yeah. And it seems, that's what the story ends on right. is, what? How did we get here with such a great story that was building? And then God makes a way through the sea to show them, you only can trust my perception, my reality and not your perceptions. And so, God yeah. did not leave those people that he's, he's referring to yeah. in their plight. He comes in at just the right time. Just the right time. leads them, absolutely. Yeah. So if we're going to regain our sense of God, to see him rightly, we need to shift our focus from I to you. Uh, we need to shift our focus from perceptions to patterns, but there was one more that we saw here. Yeah, we need to go from a plan to a posture. Mm. From a plan to a posture. Um, we always are asking the question, what's the plan? What are we going to do? And we want that plan to be significant, and we want it to register with a bunch of people. But what do you do in a season where it seems like you can plan and plan, and then tomorrow the news or the information or the government or whatever it is, it, it just all of a sudden changes the plan. Right, right. Is, have we ever been there before? Is it just a lack of dedication? Is it just a lack of foresight? Is it just... What, why can't I get any traction, right? right? And he does this. He, he takes a look and he says, the storm waters, we saw you. The, the, even the water is trembling. The depths are shaking. The clouds are pouring out. He's like, it's not just chaos in front of me. Everywhere, the heavens are in chaos. 
And it says that your way went through the sea, your path through the vast water, but your footprints were unseen. You already had a plan of how this was going to end. And it looks like chaos to us, but you are actually preparing something that would be a significant end to this story. Mm-hmm. What if God's doing that now? Yeah. I mean, if you had a plan, what would it be? Sure. It would have been less powerful than that. Well, I think what we've seen is in times of uncertainty, when things yeah. are not going the way we want, we can get pretty loud in our frustrations. We yeah. can demand a plan. We can cry out for a plan. And even at the beginning, the first five or six verses here, I mean, there's, I'm crying out to you. My hands are raised. I'm asking yeah. God, give me the plan. Deliver me from this. But we see a much different posture yeah. at the end. He's, he's gone away from fear of losing that relationship with God to actually say, Lord, just fill me with faith. And we were talking about, there's a, an old story, and we've used it many times here, but D.L. Moody tells about a guy that was crossing the Mississippi, and he had business to do with a, a city on the other side, and instead of going all the way around uh, to a place where he'd be able to cross, he crosses directly across, but he had been told that the ice was thick enough for him to pass with his goods. He doesn't trust it. So he's going across and he's just uh, overwhelmed. By the time he gets to the middle of the river, he's down on his hands and knees listening for cracks and pops. And he's like taking one step at a time and he's overwhelmed and uh, he's, you know, just uh, fearful. And about two thirds of the way across, he's almost to his destination. It's taken him most of the day, fearfully working his way across the river. (laughs) He hears this guy whistling and singing and he's marching. The bells are going on a sleigh. He has full team of horses pulling a whole, uh, a whole thing of, of pig iron across there, whistling and singing. He waves to him as he's on his way by. Hey, friend. And he just goes all the way to the other side, and the ice is holding him. And he says, which guy would you rather be? The guy that's down, fearful, overwhelmed, trying to pick his way across, thinking that it's upon him to, to get it done, or the guy that just trusts the information mm-hmm. and moves forward. I think there's a sense right now where we, in our hearts, we read scripture and God says, you need to trust me, I'm gonna get you to the other side. And we're just down on our hands and knees, not trusting anything he says. I, I, don't, I don't know that you're gonna show up. I don't know that this is gonna end well. I don't know that we can recover. I don't know that anything's gonna feel right again. I yeah. don't, I don't, I don't. And then all of a sudden we see somebody else in the middle of the season who just seems like they're settled. And it can almost be an irritation, right? Sure. Why are they so happy? And they're just like, God's got this. Let's keep going. Yeah. And they march ahead. He says, I want you to have that posture. Trust yeah. my word and that I will show up at the right time. I will. I'll do it, he says. Will you trust me? And instead of creating the plans and trusting ourselves, we need to get into a posture of worship and trust him. Yeah, and you kind of talked, when we were talking about just this picture of just our hands raised, yeah, and our arms are starting to drop, and yet he comes and it says here, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron, and just this idea that he's going to come alongside and he's going to bring in, you know, he's going to use his people to, to lead, yeah. and he's going to come and, and help us through and it. And he'll meet you right in the middle of your totally. discouragement. There is a, a famous um, author of hymns. William Cooper, if you look at some of the most famous hymns that we've ever sang, this guy wrote uh, a ton of them along with Isaac Watts and uh, Newton. And so Cooper was a guy, though, that was filled with debilitating depression. Mm. It hit him over and over and over again. He would actually be committed multiple times by his good friends to stop him from committing suicide. Um, he had had some some horrible experiences. So one day, the story goes, he had just decided, I'm... I'm going to jump off a bridge. And he mm. prayed, Lord, I don't want to be this discouraged. I can't get free from it. So he steps out and he calls for a cab and he says, hey, I need to go to the London Bridge. And the guy, the, it, the weather was socking in. It's in England. I think 90% of his depression <laughs> was he lived in London. So he's there in the actual city and, and uh, it's starting to sock in with fog that it's famous for. And the guy says, what business do you have on the bridge today? He said, this is a terrible night to do mm-hmm. that. He said, I just, I do. He paid him. And he said it was normally, you know, a 15-minute ride from his house to the center of this this bridge. And uh, so they take off, and the cabbie is trying to find his way, but the fog was so thick. He couldn't find where he was going. And they make turns and turns, and, and it goes from 15 minutes to 30 minutes to 45 minutes to an hour to an hour and 15. And finally, the cabbie's like, 
I'm sorry, sir. I, I do not know where we're at. And he said, I'm going to have to let you out. I can't take your fare. And so he, he drops him off and the fog just lifts enough for him to see they've traveled all this time and he's right back at his doorstep. <laughs> but now he says, praise God, God, you've given me the answer. I'm not supposed to do this. And he goes in and meditates on Psalm 77. And, and um, what's shocking is he's right back at the same place where he started, but he has a completely different awareness. That journey, knowing what he was intending to do and knowing that God actually had been a part of setting him back in the same place, he wasn't in a different place. Yeah. He didn't all of a sudden take a cab ride and end up in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. You know, his disposition wasn't dramatically different. But he meditates on Psalm 77 and he writes one of the most famous hymns. This is what he actually says. He says, God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds that you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Mm. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. Hmm. In the end of the day, it may be bitter, it may be hard, but God has a plan that will actually bless you and lead you if you'll just let him. Yeah. And that's our word. I think as we wrap up, you know, for us, I think our heart is just desiring for anyone who has maybe, maybe not been watching, not yeah. plugged into community, maybe who's been feeling super worried and scared and disconnected. What I love about scripture is God can take us back at any moment. Yeah. In all these situations, you can look at the most sinful behavior from the followers of God in the Bible, people who worshiped other gods and were living in complete disobedience. And he says, but the, when you confess that, you turn back to yeah. me, everything, we're gonna, it's going to be restored. I'm right here. Everything that I want to give you, I, I'm not going to withdraw that from you. I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. Um, I, I think even when in our discouragement, even in our fear, even if we know in our hearts, man, I, I should have been listening. I should have been more active. I should have been paying more attention. We don't want to cast any judgment. We don't want anybody to feel no. bad about that. We're just we're we're pleading with them to come back, get plugged in. Uh, there's something for you. There is life in the Word of God and, and who He yeah. is, and we want to share that with you. We want you to join us in that, and we hope that this psalm shows us that if you've lost your sense of who God is, uh, there are some simple steps in this psalm that we think could really help you restore that and begin to experience that once again. Yeah, and to be clear, we think that life is in Jesus. Absolutely. He's the one in Matthew that says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Yeah. He's the one that says that he will forgive our sins yeah. and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he's the one that promises a future and a, and a hope to the believer, yeah. to the Christian. He's the one saying that uh, if you will just come to me, I'll take care of the sin, get rid of that process, and give you eternal life. Yeah. I want you to have it abundantly. Yeah. So um, we need to put our faith in Christ. What we're saying in this psalm is he's worth it, and, and the same heart that God puts on display here is the heart Christ has for us. Absolutely. Well, as we wrap this up, uh, Pastor Justin, we always like to give some questions for uh, yeah. those gathering to be able to look at. And so, why don't you share the questions that we uh, come up with this morning? Yeah, let me file through my paperwork here. But... <laughs> so, uh, these three were the ones we kind of focused yeah. on. First, uh, what do those who have wandered far from home need to hear? Hmm. Um, it has been our understanding that there are some folks um, who aren't listening to even the messages. So. We want to be able to pack these bags and go encourage those individuals. Yeah. But they need to hear something from the scripture that identifies that they're not alone. And this isn't the first time. Yeah. 
So what is it you think that those who are wandering far from home and are feeling discouraged like this, what do they need to hear? The second one is, what stories from Scripture give you the most comfort? The psalmist is highlighting that he went back to the pages of Scripture and found comfort in some of those stories. What are some that minister to you? Yeah. And finally, who will reach out uh, or who will you reach out to that needs to hear this? Yeah. So we're asking our people, hey, who are you going to reach out to? Actually highlighting the fact that I think the Spirit of God has been at work in their hearts. Yeah. I think you've already known an individual or two that needs to hear this and maybe have not felt like, because that loudness at the beginning of the psalm can also be in a life here. Um, it can put us off. But Scripture sends us to our brothers and sisters that are hurting. Who yeah. needs to yeah. hear it? So why well, don't you pray for us? Yeah, let's pray and uh, join us. Yeah. Father God, we just uh, thank you so much for um, your promise to love us, Lord. Um, your desire was for us to uh, be in relationship with you. And so, uh, God, you made a way. And we're thankful for that. God, I just pray for our church as uh, for, there are times where maybe we get distracted. We, we focus on ourselves or we focus on a plan. And, and God, we really need to be focusing on you and just surrendering our hearts to you and just saying, God, we, we, we give up control. We want you to lead. So I pray, God, for every single person in our church that that would be the case, God, that we would say we, we are content, we are confident to wait on you, to trust in you, Lord. God, for anyone who maybe has been away, who hasn't really been plugged in, who's been discouraged or, or angry, God, I pray that, that this word, this, this passage out of Psalm would speak to their heart and let them know that that's not what you desire for them and that if they will lay that down, God, that you will guide them by the hand. Father, we're so thankful for your word and, and what it does to encourage us and to guide us. We just pray that you'd help us to, to live by that and nothing else in these days. I pray this all in your son's name. Amen.